Are you interested in cracking the customer code? You've got customers, and we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business. I'm Jeannie Walters. And I'm Adam Taporic. Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And a few who don't. And together we'll crack the customer code. Welcome to episode 30 of Crack the Customer Code. And today we're talking about how convenient we really want things to get. Diane Majors from AT&T will be joining us to talk about managing the customer experience in a large and complex organization. And we've got a customer zero story, a.k.a. a genie rant about (laughs) department stores to share. So, Adam, do you know what micromapping it is? Of course, you're my partner. (laughs) What about social customer care that's not just reactive? Oh, sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I think these topics are really important, and it's because your customers want you to know. These are the types of topics we explore every month in our webinars. You can sign up, see replays, and more at www.cxwebinar.com. And if you'd like to reach our listeners by being a show sponsor, you can. Go to crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor, crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor for full details. Jeannie, I love convenience. (laughs) You do. (laughs) I think I'm strange. I think most people want to be inconvenienced. Is that correct? Oh, no. I think we are all driven for a more convenient way of doing things in our very busy lives. What do you think? I do. Well, you know me. That's one of my focus areas is hassle-free and effortless, so I am all about making it easy. Well, I think it's really compelling to see what innovation is going on around this idea and if you aren't already aware of it, I think it's it's pretty telling that convenience is pretty much the number one main driver. If you look across a lot of different customer experience studies, culturally, a whole bunch of different things, convenience is a huge factor in how people rate their customer experience. And, you know, we're all customers because we need something. It's not because we necessarily want to be doing that. <laughs> like, if we had our druthers, we might not you know, actually go to the grocery store, food would just magically appear in our refrigerators. (laughs) (laughs) That would be nice. That's the ultimate goal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But there are all these things coming out now about how important this is. And so in the UK right now, they're doing a lot of things like click to collect, which is you basically order your groceries online uh, an hour before you go home and you drive past the grocery store and they bring it out to your car for you. And so I'm just I just wanted to kind of explore this because I think that there is a lot of innovation going on around here, but I think it's also being ignored in so many places too. I mean, how many how many more years will we have to stand in line at the DMV? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, here's the thing because we're, you know, we're sort of torn at a crossroads here as customer experience people and as citizens, I know you mentioned England, but here in the United States, walking <laughs> through the grocery store is literally the only exercise that about 50% <laughs> of the population gets anymore. Oh, that's sad. It is. And it's actually true. So, you know, I don't know that it's going to help us societally. But from the standpoint of convenience, if you look at self-checkout aisles, for mm-hmm. instance, and actually there's a study from the UK where a third of people prefer them, a third of people hate them, and yep. a third of people are sort of like, eh, depends on how much I have and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, you know, you're always going to cater to people who want interaction, people who want technology, but they're always going to want convenience. It's a question of what they consider convenience to be. Right. Right. right? Because in both of those cases, you know, if I have a lot, if I have three items, I consider self-checkout convenience. Mm-hmm. If I have a cart full of items, I consider, you know, being helped by a person convenience. Right. 
Right. So it's relative to my goals at that time or my shopping experience at that time. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I think that your point about like, is it better for us as a society is a good one because we are getting to a place where some people are becoming isolated because of technology. And as much as I love the way that we all intersect and communicate in all these different ways, not everybody does. (laughs) And so I think we need to look at how can we provide the experience that you might want and the person who only has the the few checkout items wants at the same time? And that might be providing choices and options, but thinking through what is convenience. It's pretty convenient to drive home and pick up your groceries if you're a busy person who has to go home and feed your kids. But if you like to walk to the grocery store and that's your social interaction for the day and that's your healthiest time of day, then that might be something that actually causes anxiety for you. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to see people. I'm not going to interact with them. So I think it's interesting to think about like what, what are ways we can offer what customers want in the way that they want them, even if it's not all the same thing. Well, that's the catch. The catch is not offering self-checkout and real checkout and curbside, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever that, whatever they call that, you know, curbside delivery. Uh, the op, the problem is when you decide, okay, X percent of our customers really only use two of those. We're getting mm-hmm. rid of the third one. Yeah. And, and that's where, and that's, that's where happening. it gets tricky because, and, and that's mm-hmm. a legitimate business decision. That's, a, you know, it's not that it's necessarily wrong, mm-hmm. but that's where it gets really interesting is when you have to make choices about making it more convenient mm-hmm. for the great majority of customers and less convenient for a smaller portion of customers. Well, and this is also a cautionary tale because as we get to airports and see more and more self kiosks, self checking kiosks, I did a count. I was standing in line for the kiosk in one of the airports I was in recently that I can't remember, but they were, so we were all queued up and there were six employees directing us to these kiosks. So how are they saving any employee cost or anything else by having people go, this one, this one's open, this one's open. Oh, you're having problems? Okay, let me walk you up to the other line. Like, how is that efficient? And yet I'm sure that the argument is it's more convenient and efficient for customers. But it's not if you've got all these people standing around trying to figure out how to use these things. So I think the idea of convenience is so compelling to us that sometimes we make these decisions about efficiency and and offering convenience, and we don't actually look at the reality of the situation. So I hope that other organizations start looking at, like, how many people, I mean, even in grocery stores, if you're checking out, you still need, they have one or two employees standing there because something's always going wrong and they're helping people. So you have to, like, weigh those things out before you really make these decisions. Yeah, I mean, I think the grocery store analogy is a good analogy of how it should work. Mm-hmm. The, the good ones, they sort of, you know, I think that's even in my book, which was you got to man the kiosk, right? right. You've got to, you've got to sort of be there to support the technology, even if it is self-serve. Mm-hmm. And the good and Publix here in Florida, we were very fortunate in Florida. We have one of the you know, best customer experience uh, grocery chains in the country here. And, you know, they always have somebody sort of washing the self-checkout lanes and mm-hmm. ready to help you. Mm-hmm. And I think Home Depot, Lowe's, they both do that as well. Mm-hmm. Now, the airport one, I just went through that when I came to visit uh, you and Lightning there in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that did not seem as much about convenience as about staffing and training us for two years so that the six people that were there can go down to four people eventually. 
I, that's it seemed more like that. It didn't seem like it was to offer a choice of convenience. It seemed right. like it was to offer uh, less payroll. <laughs> and but so. you know, to my point, I was standing in line, and I was thinking this is ridiculous because if they had choices, if they had a few of those people actually up at the counter, then there wouldn't have been a line. But it's like they, you know, two of them were busted and were not working. One, you know, and then there's always the person who has like, it looks like they're going on the Titanic. They've got like so much luggage that they're blocking eight of the kiosks around them. <laughs> nice. um, so I think it's, it, but again, it's thinking through the experience. What are we actually trying to offer? And what will this do for our organization as well? And then if it's about convenience, then make it about convenience. Don't make it about something that it's not. So that's and I'm all. still And I'm still not getting an iWatch. So there we go. <laughs> Okay, so do we have a guest today? We do. I'm thrilled to welcome our guest, Diane Majors. Diane has more than 20 years of building and growing a customer experience focus. Currently, she's with AT&T's Office of the Customer, where she is building and executing programs to drive change in their culture, systematically embed customer experience, and strategically drive CX innovation. So welcome, Diane. Hey, thanks for having me today. Diane, you and I have spoken a lot about lots of areas of customer experience. And one of the things that I think you bring to this discussion is this outlook on what it is like in a large organization that's pretty complex as well. And so can you tell us a little bit about your role there and and kind of how the office of the customer is structured? Um, sure. Yeah. My role is to, um, I've only been with AT&T uh, going on two years now, but the role coming in was really to help the organization mature their practice. They, as many companies do, they have a lot of people internally who have great knowledge and expertise in a lot of areas. There's a lot of rich um, knowledge here at AT&T, but not a lot about what are best practices and customer experience and how does it actually work when you get internally and when you start pulling the pieces together and, as you know, trying to get people to collaborate. And so coming in, I've been helping uh, build programs and curriculum and immersion workshops and things that are really getting people to kind of realize that helicopter up, taking a look from the customer's viewpoint. Um, so I tend to be kind of a little bit of an internal consultant when it comes to where are things going, where are they headed, how are we going to govern, uh, where do we have bodies where we need more knowledge around customer experience, how do we bring innovation and design in. So hmm. it's kind of a hodgepodge of a lot of things, but I tell you what, very, very exciting um, to your point, though, of complexity, yeah, I think we're very large, very complex, <laughs> lots of products. We have B2C, B2B, right? And mm -hmm. we're getting to acquire um, a small company, um, DirecTV. Um, oh, big company, just a little, yeah. a little mom and pop shop? A little one, yeah. So <laughs> the, the good thing is that, like many organizations, even in integration or a merger acquisition, they're approaching it from a customer-centric viewpoint, meaning we'll think about the customer experience first and build around that to really transform that culture. So we're going to be busy um, yeah. in a bit, but that's just a little bit about me and, and what I'm um, helping the organization accomplish here. Huh. What are you finding are the easiest things to change and the things that are most difficult? I and mean, when you go in and you're you know, trying to revamp customer experience or bring a, a new fresh look to it, what are the sort of biggest challenges and the easiest wins? Well, I think the easiest wins are when we turn on those individual light bulbs. So it's a pleasure to watch in our immersion workshops or um, in the curriculum that we use to help train folks or when they're part of our design sessions that 
um, people walk away with this this different appreciation and and really an, a, a draw and a, and a need and a want to learn more. Um, that's that's where it really comes into play, and that's what kind of keeps your blood pumping every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the same challenge of getting the light bulbs to come in on many 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 times um, and connecting the dots, I think, is where the the challenge really comes into play. And that's um, everything from aligning the organization around you know how are we going to operate differently uh, around the customer experience, kind of those rules of engagement, if you will, in the organization, how we let that happen naturally, you know, bringing people to do journey mapping together from from around a new product, for example, across the enterprise um, from different teams. And and that's where really that challenge is, this more organizational alignment. I I won't say governance and I won't say uh, culture as much as it really is getting people aligned around the customer and then getting people aligned around each other. so one of the one of the other challenges we have is just I think just um, help, helping people really understand the impact of what they do that that threading of every single thing you do whether you're in app dev or you're in communications or you're writing content or you're writing specifications for GigaPower whatever it is <laughs> uh, you somehow thread to that customer and so helping people individually understand that thread and then how all those threads come together in a big spider web if you will mm-hmm. um, to, to be centered around the customer is, is one of the biggest challenges you can imagine in a, in a corporation that has a quarter of a million uh, employees, but you know, one step at a time. It's just like anybody else's journey. It's like one brain, <laughs> one heart at a time as we make progress. And you know, I love what you say about the spider web. Uh, and I'm wondering, a lot of folks struggle with getting their leadership to really be in touch with their customers and the actual experiences they're having. So, what have you done around that, or have you had success around that that you can share with us? Yeah, I think a lot of. Um, I think a couple of things. One, you really have to understand each leader and kind of where they are. Um, we believe wholly in doing kind of executive interviews and understanding, you know, what are their challenges as a leader and what do they want to accomplish as, as around the customer and kind of where their where their brains are and where they are in understanding customer experience because executives typically they're not the ones that you go to and, and try to have to educate, right? They usually kind of know everything. Huh. And are you hoping to, right? <laughs> and so, you know, for the, for them to, to talk about customer experience, it's a whole new language for them and and they don't know and it's hard for them to admit that. So we do a lot of kind of one on one conversations about what it is, why it's important, what's in it, you know, what's important for them that can help them achieve their business goals. So really making the goals about them. Um, and then we really work to, we, we just had one of these sessions and it's really very interesting having the um, executive team kind of in a, in a workshop environment, if you will, um, kind of talk about what are those behaviors and what are the words and terms that we use and how can we talk and act differently than we have before um, as leaders uh, so that we can demonstrate that customer experience focus and 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 talk intelligently about it. Um, and so we had them kind of do that. What, what's those behaviors look like? Um, but then we also had them do, you know, what are some of the things that stand in your way? You know, it's the, it's the pressure of finance and, and trying to achieve goals in addition to being all about the customer. Those are hard things for executives to balance. Um, but then we also talked about what are enablers? What are some of the things they would like to, to see happen in order to, to move the organization and to help support them, right? Things like bringing in other executives from other companies that have done this successfully and, and talking about change management and, and learning journey mapping as a technique themselves, right? There's, there's a lot of different ways you can really immerse them in um, how to do that. But I think it's really successful when you talk about 
kind of the what's in it for me. Mm-hmm. But you help them also to, to understand because they might nod their head and, as I call it, kind of wear the T-shirt. But it's hard <laughs> for them to really understand what's the change around what you're trying to accomplish. Um, where's the business value behind it? What are the things that are important to them to accomplish this year? And how can customer experience help them? Diane, you mentioned changing the language. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What do you mean by that? Do you mean like avoiding the acronyms and the, the internal speak? Or um, is it more about kind of customer experience terms? I would say those things are important, right? To say when they say journey mapping, they know what it means and what mm-hmm. it is. But it's more about it's more about um, bringing that human emotion into the conversation. You know, so I love that. Uh, how would the how would the customer feel about that? You know, a lot of people talk about having the customer in the room, but actually having executives say, "Well, how would the customer feel about that?" Mm-hmm. Not how would they react or how would they respond, but how would they feel, mm-hmm. right? Getting them to kind of bring that into play so that people start to connect the fact that we, these are human beings on the other end of the, you know, of our, of our, of our business, right? Uh, but also talking internally about the same lens that we turn on customer experience onto our employees and, and making sure that we're, you know, confirming and checking for understanding and um, making sure that everyone's aware of how that happens. So it's, it's really changing that language more around, what they say and the approach, like, have we thought about what the customer change impact is here? Or um, just those, those phrases and terms that really show that they're thinking about it, right? And then that, as they, as they vocalize it, it helps the organization realize, oh, yeah, that mind shift is different. That's mm-hmm. not the same conversation we always have about revenue generation. It's really about that, that experience and that, that human um, that's our customer, both internally and externally. And that's really interesting because, I mean, if you look at like such a massive organization like AT&T, you know, it's, it's almost like the old thing about the president of the United States not knowing the price of, you know, a loaf of bread or something, right? There's, there's mm-hmm. so far a distance between, you know, high executives and the actual customers. Have you found it difficult or are there specific techniques you've used to sort of, you know, establish that empathy connection, you know, the understanding this is what our customers go through. This is the experience they have. I think our executives do a great job of always really bringing that up. We have some very passionate executives who are great storytellers. I think storytelling is one of the best ways to communicate that out. So they they share stories of uh, where things have happened. We have a lot of communi- communication tools here, our intranet, and um, we have an, an about around the globe, which is kind of a, a two minute presentation on you know what's happening and what's going on. So we highlight our customer and our employee stories there, and so it's it's. It's reinforced um, in many ways. So it's, it's much like, um, you know, that behavior and the, the talk and the walk all have to kind of show up in all the different channels of where people are hearing not only our executives, but each other really talk about the customer. So I think they've done a fabulous job of communicating that and making sure that's part of the story and part of the conversation at every turn. And that's I love, awesome. I love the, the techniques around empathy. And I'm wondering if you had one sentence to say to like the class of 2015 new customer experience pros, <laughs> um, what what's one kind of sentence you would say to anybody who is really focused on bringing this to their organization, some piece of advice? Um, I would think it would be um, a phrase that I've started to use with folks. It's, it's really because the human heart hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. You know, as we move into a more and more technologically advanced 
workplace and commerce and e-retail, I think we sometimes lose that human connection and we just talk about behavior and results when, in fact, we all, employees and customers, are looking to feel valued, trusted, um, understood, um, and, and really are desire things that, you know, at the heart of hearts, um, really we want that, that validation of who we are as human beings and really to connect. And so I would, I would recommend when you're talking about um, customer experience, it's really, again, about that human on the other end. So it's because the human heart hasn't changed. Oh, that's One perfect. We've always had. Well, that's a great way to wrap up. And I, I want to thank you so much. This was full of wisdom. And, uh, and you're right. It's really all about humanity, isn't it? And just connecting with one another, which I really appreciate. So yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Where can folks find you if they're looking for you on the Internet? Oh, I'm uh, everywhere. You can just do a search <laughs> and find me on uh, LinkedIn, uh, Diane Majors, uh, or Twitter. Um, follow me there. Same thing, Diane Majors. Um, uh, or you can email me. I'm, I'm happy to take email um, and answer questions directly um, or connect with someone and, and share. I, I'm a firm believer in pay it forward. Mm-hmm. So if there's additional questions, let me know. We'll provide that in the... Um, we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Thanks. Great. So thanks again, Diane. This was fantastic. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. And it is time for Jeannie's rant. Oops. I mean, it's time for Customer Hero, Customer Zero. <laughs> so Jeannie, what are you ranting about today? Well, Adam, when was the last time you shopped in person at a department store like a Sears or Macy's or JCPenney's? Within six months. Okay. And do you think it was a great experience? <laughs> uh, Actually, no, I don't care what you think. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't really know. I don't know how to answer that. Uh, yeah, it was a fine experience. It wasn't a bad experience. It wasn't. So department stores back in their heyday were set up to be these events, right? These experiences. People would go there. They would dress up. They would go to these places because they knew that's where you could get the, the finest things you would interact with salespeople who actually knew their products. You could get makeup. You could get jewelry. You could get, in some cases like Sears, like garden tools. <laughs> you could get a little of everything. And they had these specialized departments, and that's what made them unique. But throughout the years, they have lost their luster, in my opinion, almost completely. And the numbers are starting to show this. They have Their sales have been declining, even though retail numbers are going up in general. Department store in-store sales are declining year over year. There are a few exceptions to this. Nordstrom continues to do a pretty fabulous job, but they they focus on what can we do for the individual customer. They personalize the experience. But my beef with it is this. They are set up around now what they used to be instead of what they could be today. And a few examples. If you are looking to get help for finding a product, you sometimes have to wander a long way in these huge stores simply no. because they don't have them staffed like they used to anymore. So the sign that says cashier or checkout, there's no guarantee anybody will be there. Then you go to the other department and they don't know the products because it's not their department. So they're not training their people well. They're not setting them up for success. And if you are taking the time to go in person to a store, it's because you want that interaction. So that's one way that they're getting it wrong and i could go on should i keep going on adam (laughs) 
Well, do you want me to tell you you're wrong later or now? Oh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, I don't think it's all about customer experience. Believe oh, it or well, not. I'm. Why are you on this podcast? <laughs> well, because I think uh, you know, <laughs> if an oil company can't drill oil anymore, then their customer experience is not why they're out of business. <laughs> so there are things other than customer experience that affect businesses. And one of the things you pointed out, Nordstrom is doing well. And yes, first of all, they are an amazing mm-hmm. top top tier exemplary customer experience company. So I'm not discounting that. They're also a high end mm-hmm. department store. And one of the things economically that's happening is that the low end is doing well and the high end is doing well and the middle is getting killed. Yeah. And that is not just about customer experience. That's about the economics of this country right now. Mm -hmm. And that's why Target and Walmart are doing well and Mm -hmm. Nordstrom is doing well and everybody you're talking about is getting crushed. Yeah. So what I would sort of add in is customer experience isn't necessarily the cause of their problems. But it could be the solution to their problems if they can find a way to scale it economically and to do it well within the framework. You know, I wrote a long time ago, I think JCPenney, um, I forgot the executive's name. He actually moved over from Apple to Penny. And then he didn't last. Didn't last long at all, no. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that he was trying to do was basically automate, you Mm -hmm. know, the department store sales floor. And it just seemed sort of half-baked and how they were going to do it and did not make a lot of sense from a customer experience standpoint. So I think they've got to find a way, you know, they're dealing with these legacy rents or in these malls, mm-hmm. indoor malls are dying. Right, right. Okay. And one of the reasons is because their anchors are dying and these are mm-hmm. the primary anchors or the, you know, all of these department stores. So it's a, it's a sort of vicious circle and it'd be interesting to see if anybody can find a way through using customer experience and hopefully better buying, purchasing, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Well, I, I agree. I think that part of it is they're, they're still looking at, how do we use the space that we have? How do we use the products that we've always gotten? They're not looking at it from what do people want today? And when they come into the store, what kind of experience do they want when they come into the store? Not just who are we as a brand online, everything else, but like, let's make this the experience. That's why everybody brings up Apple. And I, I know that we sometimes get sick of that. But when Apple had the folks who helped you be able to check you out because they had the thing around their neck. That was revolutionary. And it was revolutionary because people were like, oh my gosh, I don't have to stand in line. This is awesome. <laughs> and it's so right. simple. It's so simple, but it it's huge. And you think about how they could empower their people with thing, with tools like that, which wouldn't necessarily upset the legacy systems and all of that. I mean, I know it's complicated, but as a customer, frankly, I don't care. I don't care how complicated it is. I don't care about your supply chain. I care about walking in there and being able to find what I need, finding people that know what I'm dealing with and care enough to provide that experience for me. And I think they're just falling down on everything experience wise. And so while it might not be the cause of it, it's certainly not helping them out. And they're not going to dig out of it if they don't focus on it at least more than they are today. Rant done. (laughs) Hashtag over. No, I I mean, I agree, big picture. And I think one of the things is one of the lessons here is more about business and about customer experience, which is you've got to innovate ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Because now for a lot of them, honestly, it's too late. It's easy to say you can do these. But one, shoppers are out of the habit of going there. Mm -hmm. Two, now the money's dried up. They're already doing poorly. So how do you invest Mm -hmm. hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars in re-outfitting your stores and et cetera and so forth? That 
is one of the problems. I mean, once you're so far down the path, it gets real hard to get out of that hole. Right. It does. But I think there are creative ways to do it. So I hope that they, some of them do pick themselves up and brush themselves off a little bit. I do too. I still like going to the mall once a year or something. (laughs) (laughs) Do you tease your hair and go to the mall? Tease? I don't even know what that means. (laughs) What do you say? You should have been blonde. How do you tease your hair? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll have to show you another time. You're too short. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to episode 30 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Adam DeBorg, and my website is customersatstick.com. And I'm Jeannie Walters, and I'd love to see you over at 360connects.com. All of our episodes and show notes are available at crackthecustomercode.com. Please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher so you'll never miss an episode or one of Jeannie's rants. And if you like what you hear, leave a review on iTunes so that others can find our show. And please share what you love with others. We love word of mouth. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.